Greetings, everyone, and welcome to WriteBrain, a podcast about writing and crowdfunded publishing. My name is Jean-Francois Dubois, or JF Dubois, as I prefer to be called. I'll be your host, and co-hosting with me is my good friend Paul Inman. Paul, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm glad that I am here with you, my friend, and we are here with episode zero of our new podcast. This is going to be very experimental. It's the first time we're doing this together. It's the first time we're doing a this this podcast, obviously, as the number zero will imply. Now, this is a an InkShares podcast. InkShares being a a platform, a crowd pl- a crowd funded publishing platform that we've both been lucky enough to to use successfully and that we're we're going to discuss we're going to discuss both crowdfunding we're going to discuss ink shares projects on ink shares and the crowdfunded publishing world in general how do you feel about that paul uh you know what i feel really good because you know like you said we both were lucky enough to get our own novels funded through ink shares and you know kind of want to share that with the world and you know see if we can get some more people to uh, get funded as well. Yeah, there's definitely something about winning the... Because, I mean, full disclosure, there was a, a, a contest that was a, in a, an association with the Sword and Laser po- Book Club and Podcast that we participated in and both won. And there's there's something that makes you very, how to say, pro-ink shares about winning their contest <laughs> and having them on your in, in your corner working and publishing your book. So there you I'm, go. I, I think we're both very excited to to talk about the platform and talk about the uh, the possibilities it opens for us and for other authors that are uh, currently looking for publishing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, like you said, like we got lucky. Well, I don't know. Lucky may not be the only thing that happened there, but oh no, no, I, I, I lucked out. Published. I will I will completely I'll fess up to it. This was winning well, the lottery for me. Yeah, I kind of I kind of lucked out too. Let's be honest. So. Uh, but yeah, I'm pretty excited. Um, I'm currently, you know, deep, deep into getting um, the novel ready for publication. I know that you're a little bit ahead of me, so I am. Um, I I had. I think I had more ready by the time mm-hmm. the the contest concluded. So, and, and let's be clear, Ink Shares did not waste a moment from the. 24 hours after the con- contest concluded and it was clear my book was getting published, they were already tossing work my way. So I've, I've been hard at it for the, uh, for the last few months. And I've, I've actually only just handed in the final revisions to an extra chapter that I, I added at the tail end back to Girl Friday Productions, which is a produ- production company that InkShares works with. And normally, if they don't come back with any more questions, I'm on to the marketing phase, which is very intimidating. Uh, have they spoken with you a lot about the marketing phase yet? Because they haven't uh, a little bit here and there, but not much with me. We we start. It's very piecemeal. They're uh, they're they're clearly they're, there's clearly a plan, but it's how uh, say they're <laughs> they're keeping control of the plan and and asking of me only what they need. Uh, I'm 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 the talent. I'm the resource, but I am certainly not as part of the the structure of the marketing as I'm used to. I I think we should probably take a moment to introduce ourselves a bit more clearly for the for the listeners. Uh, yeah, absolutely. One one thing that needs to be understood about me is I work in marketing as a brand specialist and graphic designer. So I'm usually on the other side of the equation where I'm the one trying to promote someone else's product. So having someone 
take my baby and be the ones promoting it. I want to know everything that's going on, and I don't, and it's weird. Well, I was going to say, you're kind of like uh, in the passenger seat for this one. That's kind of, I think that's kind of a neat perspective for you, considering your background with uh, marketing. You know? it's, it's definitely interesting. How about you, Paul? You're, you're a teacher, right? I am a teacher. I actually uh, teach middle school, which is like um, 11, 12, 13, 14-year-olds. And uh, I teach them how to sing, as a matter of fact, because I'm a musician and I teach them how to sing. So I go to school every day and people ask me, what do you do at your job? And I say, well, you know, today I played my guitar. Um, yesterday I played piano. All the kids sang. We had a good time. And then people immediately think that I don't take my work seriously. But, you know, they can think what they want. I know what I do and I'm good at my job. So, uh, But other than that, you know, I'm, I'm kind of new to writing, to be honest with you. I, I liked English class in school and in college, you know. I just uh, you know, never tried it before. In fact, before I wrote this novel um, that is getting published, uh, the the most I had ever written of anything was a 26-page paper for, for um, grad school. So there's that, yeah. Well, still, when people think teacher, uh, adding, saying a teacher became, becomes a writer does not feel that foreign. It's It's not that weird of a concept. No, I guess not. So, as uh, personally as a brand specialist, I've <laughs> I actually I've been trying. The, the writing thing is one of those things that is uh, kind of my my escape pod from my career. Trying to get a second career going, I know it's a long shot. Writing is very very difficult to get into, especially professionally. But and it's not that I hate graphic design and, and brand management. It's just that it's very much more of a technical job than people think it is. And right. there's there's very little creativity behind uh, planning ads and and you know making catalogs and protecting a brand for a company. It's it's a lot closer to say a, a visual communications engineer than it is to being a, a graphic artist. So and hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, it, it's a perspective that not not many people understand, especially not people that go into the industry in graphic design. They think, oh, I'm going to make pretty things, which turns out to be wrong because your job is not to make pretty things, it's to make things that will communicate your customer's message properly. And depending on what the customer is, those can be very, very boring things, and that can <laughs> make the, the, the job equally boring. And I, about six years ago, I stumbled into this writing thing and decided to knock off writing a book from my, my so-called bucket list. And halfway through it, I just fell in love and I haven't stopped writing since. So well, that's I, fantastic. Yeah. I, I've written maybe five full length novels and uh, wow. the, the one I'm publishing on Inkshare right now is, is the first one that I've decided that should probably get to a, to a, to a, to a wider audience. That's pretty amazing. Um, I'm actually, I've actually written the one full-length novel, and I am about, uh, I don't know, pretty, pretty early stages, maybe the first third of a second novel that I'm actually co-authoring with a friend of mine, which you can actually pre-order on Inkshares. So uh, if you want to take a look at that, definitely, by all means, it won't hurt my feelings if you pre-order, you know. Well, I've pre-ordered, so. Yes, you have, and I appreciate that because every single pre-order matters. And if you, uh, um, if you are a fan of JF's, then you should definitely pre-order my stuff, too, because he is a fan of me. Exactly. Oh, I'm sorry. You my should... books, I mean. Well, <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
I've only started knowing you. So yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> so we keep we keep talking about ink shares, ink shares this, ink shares that, and I, I'm someone that is maybe like six months from now delving into our archives and starting to listen mm-hmm. to this this terrible episode that is really just our training ground where we're stretching our legs into this whole crowdfunded publishing podcast thing. Might not be familiar with what we're talking about when we're talking about ink shares, depending on how they came about the podcast. So, do you want do you want to describe very quickly what what InkShares is? Because it's it's a fairly unique platform. Uh yeah, sure. I mean, it's a lot like for me in my mind anyway. It's a lot like uh, a Kickstarter type of thing. I mean, that that's kind of definitely the most relatable. It's uh, is the one that's the most in the media that people will yes, have heard about. That's right, and it's you know it's easiest to kind of start from there. In fact. I basically had my first kind of crowdfunding experience through Kickstarter, and it was definitely a fail because, you know, you hear about all the awesome success stories, but really most people, well, I don't want to say most because I don't know for sure, but I definitely failed. I mean, so back to InkShares. InkShares is kind of a similar idea, but it is for authors, for aspiring authors. You can uh, get your project together and put it up there for people to pre-order and if you hit a certain goal of pre-orders then you will get the full treatment like a regular publishing house does so you'll have the editorial process where you have um, a production editor uh, you have your developmental editor you have your copy edits all done for you as well as cover design and um, they actually market your book and push it out to the public. So right now, I'm not I'm not sure, but you are in Barnes. You're on BarnesandNoble.com, right? I'm, you're on I'm Amazon. I'm on Barnes and Nobles. I'm on Amazon. The um, the surprising thing is, and I'm I'm going to correct you on something, but I'm just want I just want to finish yes, answering sir, your definitely. question first. The um, I was already my book had already been self published, and mm-hmm. they completely arranged to have the first edition replaced by the second edition and have and and everything was taken care of without my knowledge one day i just logged on to amazon went to check what was happening with my book if they had put a second edition as as a separate book and i needed to pull the first one but everything had already been taken care of also it's it's worth noting that inkshares distributes through ingram which is a, an actual honest to god um, distri- uh, you know, book distributor and media yes. distributor. So they're not, and I don't want to discredit self-publishing. Self-publishing, I I tried it myself, and I think there's I I know a lot of very successful authors that have self-published and still self-publish, but they're not they're not a self-publishing platform in the sense that you don't pay them to publish your book. You you need to gather an audience to sort of prove your worth, and that's where the crowdfunding yes. effort comes. Yeah. Now, the part where I want to, to, to sort of, I don't want to say correct you, that's not the right term, but maybe add to what you said, mm-hmm. is that InkShares doesn't just care. It's not just for new authors. Oh, They're, no, no, no. Maybe now they are, but I can see them, and I think they see themselves also. They see themselves as a traditional publisher with a different approach to to gathering support for a book. And I think what they want is to to also attract both new new artists, new writers, but also some some more established writers that want to try something different or just just enjoy the uh, the, the royalty program that they offer, which is fairly generous. Yeah, 
it's it's not bad. It really isn't. Um, and if you don't know what that is, you can hop over to their website, or I guess we could explain it to you really quickly. Ebooks. Um, we receive seventy uh, percent. I think that's correct. Seventy percent for ebooks. And then for um, your actual print novel, it is fifty percent um, royalties. Is that correct? Correct. That's exactly like that's it. Correct. The only yeah. the only difference in what I. I personally don't mind it because as someone who's coming from a completely different field, from graphic design and branding and marketing, mm-hmm. and having my first book, I didn't expect anyone to give me a forward advance. Some of my more optimistic friends um, were wondering, well, you don't get an advance. Like, no, and you probably won't until you become an established author. <laughs> so from, that's, from, that's any, probably true. from any publisher. So it's... That's the thing. You don't get an advance from Ink Shares, but you bring in your own, you bring in your 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 own crew, your own uh, your own following, and once you reach a, I think right now, but the, the platform's about to change. But right now, seven hundred fifty pre-orders will get you a the uh, the ebook treatment, right. and one thousand will get you physical distribution with printed copies in stores and in the hands of your readers, which is super exciting. It is very, very exciting, and um, as you mentioned, uh, the pla- the platform is about to change slightly. Right now, it's about mid October, um, 2015. So, if you're listening to this in the future, it will have already changed. And uh, they're looking into many different types of, well, there, there's a few different options on the table. And from what we understand, they're looking to change in the very near future, within the next couple of weeks. So, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty excited to see what. They're going to um, be throwing out there for us. I'm I'm very curious. There's the one thing that's worth noting is that Ink Shares is less than two years old at this point. So mm-hmm. they've they've already got over I think it's 50 books in production. Uh, right. Some of them from fairly well known names. I think they have. There's one book I pre-ordered it and I can't remember the name, which I think was one of the screenwriters from Lost or something. Yeah, Elephant in the Room. Elephant in the, the Room, yes, which looks yeah. fantastic. And the, uh, the the very successful, well, from my point of view, the very successful Abomination from Gary Whitta, who is the screenwriter yeah. for the movie The Book of Eli and the upcoming, well, for us, upcoming movie uh, Star Wars Rogue One, which is the first anthology right. movie from the Star Wars series. And I'm pretty excited. Exactly. It's, 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 it's fantastic to have this opportunity to work alongside, in a way, uh, be published by this, under the same name as some of these people that are, that are successful, talented writers. Uh, yeah, and I just looked up. It's Jack Bender. He's actually director of some of Lost, some episodes of Lost and Game of Thrones even. So, I mean, he's, he, I would think that he may not need a whole lot of help in, in terms of getting published but he came here to ink shares um and that's where he wanted to have his home so that's really pretty cool and i pre-ordered too actually i'm I'm pretty excited about that book as well it was pretty neat because when the thing uh when the um campaign first went up i was like wait i think i recognize this guy's name and i went and looked and i was like yeah i I was like i have seen it like watching lost you know and and the director comes up at the bottom i was like yeah i knew i had seen his name somewhere before so i ordered my three because i was like of course i gotta order three because i need my name in the back of his book i mean how awesome is that yeah Uh, because that's that's something we haven't talked about is some of the 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 perks because right now there's not that many perks to ordering books there's really only two ways to pre-order a book when it's still in the funding stage which is order a book and you'll get mm -hmm. 
when it gets released, usually when you pre-order at that point, it's it's something like 30% off. It's a lot cheaper than it would be normally. And right. you get both a, a PDF copy once the book is finally published and you get shipped to your home a, a physical copy of the book, whether the author has chosen soft cover or hard cover. Now, the only perk that there was is for people that ordered three copies at once would get their name printed in the thank you page of the book, which I regret not doing for a few books like abomination i i had the opportunity and i thought nah, i don't know money's tight and i didn't do it now i regret it right well that's kind of where i was with the um elephant in the room by jack bender i was like you know this is pretty cool and if he reaches his goal um you, well you know from having to do this and i know we are the ones who organize that, so he's going to have to organize it, and he's going to be looking at my name, going, "Hey, thanks, guy, for ordering three. And you know what? Right after, no, I'm sorry, right before I ordered, J.J. Abrams ordered, so he was not there. I ordered, came back, and he had ordered, and I was like, you know what? I mean, that's pretty cool. You know, the but, director of the new he, Star Wars and the Star Trek movies, and oh, a nerd you know, icon. There's no question. Yeah, this, yeah. If if there's a uh, if there's an artistic creator that has slam dunked and uh, slam dunked a hat trick in uh, in being able to dabble <laughs> in everything that nerds love, it, it really is J.J. Abrams. I think all he needs is to direct an episode of Doctor Who, and he'll he'll be done. His his punch card will be full. Yes, and then he can just retire and die happy, I guess. Why, why would he retire? If, if hey. the, the, One of the things I've discovered in getting into this writing thing is that writing for me is not something I would... Even if I was offered to retire, I would just retire to write more. Exactly. And me too, I have, actually. I have a feeling that someone that is so involved in so many things would probably be the same thing. No, I don't think you would really retire, but I'm just, you know, I was just... Making light of it, you know. Yeah, yeah, I understand. <laughs> I completely understand your point. I mean, if, if with these opportunities, being able to do all these things, it's where can you go from there? Is the question. Well, so, I mean, he could he could make a book. I mean, there's this great thing called Ink Shares that he could, you know, absolutely. Throw a book on. And it it has been attracting the attention of of, of certain other writers. And one one of the things, uh, one writer that I follow, Andrew Main, has expressed uh, interest on one of his podcasts. I know really? he's gotten cool. he's gotten in touch with InkShares. I don't know if he's got any plans, but one of the things that's interesting about InkShares is let's say you're I don't know, let's say one of you you're an Anne Rice and you're sort of typecast into a certain type of writing and you want to try something different that might be giving your 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 normal publisher cold feet. Well, you can just go to InkShare, tweet maybe once or twice about wanting crowdfunding for for your different you know unique project that's kind of out of left field for you and you'll you'll get your pre-orders and you'll be able to try this publishing avenue it's it's a way of also exploring different things without having to deal with whether your publisher or wants you to or not and having your public having your following decide if you should be doing this project and you know i kind of like that um their little blurb on their website and i'm going to ruin this but it says something like um readers selected publishing and i know that that's wrong now that i'm saying it out loud but it is something like that I, I i could pull it up i just don't i don't have the website up right now but um i like that personally that the readers get to decide and we've been having some really interesting discussions on goodreads about how is it that we draw in more readers but um apparently there's a, a large reader to author ratio 
I don't know if you saw that recently. I, I, saw, the, I saw the numbers that Jeremy put up on Goodreads, on, on our forums, our writer forums on Goodreads. Um, and I, these, these are very, very reassuring, very optimistic numbers. They make me, actually, they make me a lot more comfortable. The, yeah, me too. I, I think the problem, and again, InkShares is a young company, and one of the things that they've demonstrated is their willingness to adapt and change and uh, accept advice in a way that I've worked with a lot of different clients and companies and suppliers. I've never seen a company that was so comfortable taking criticism and incorporating them, not just waving it away and ignore, ignoring it. And one of the things that I find is that it's attracting readers is one thing, having the readers come back and shop and treat ink shares as a marketplace without being prodded by writers is where the challenge is actually going to be. If you, even if ink shares had a million different readers, which is good, which is amazing, getting those readers to on their own without being prompted, come to ink shares once a week, once a month and see what's new is is where where it's really going to be at because that's when you're going to get that kind of organic uh, pre-ordering going on from uh, fr- from the those readers. Exactly, exactly. Getting people back to ink shares because you know for you and for me, I don't want to say it's easy to get the readers to come and you know check out our book, but we can clearly have we clearly have like a, a circle. That, you know, when you say, hey, man, I'm writing a book or, hey, guess what, mom, for example, I'm writing a book or I'm trying to publish a book. You know that you're probably going to get a pre-order or two from these this circle of people and uh, getting them to go back. That is going to be the tricky part. Um, and I, I, I mean, I'm not saying that they're not going back already. I, I don't have that information. And I'm, I would like I'm, to I think, think definitely they are. I think a lot of them are probably going back. I don't know how much they're treating. Like I know a lot of my readers are not going back unless I recommend books to them, mm-hmm. which I try to do, which probably works a bit. But to a certain degree, InkShares is going to want the writers to be writing and not necessarily just always doing marketing for them. But that's 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 where InkShares is being very, very clever about it, is that they're going by stages. They're not necessarily trying to get to the end of the race before they start. So right now they're accumulating riders, they're getting readers and they're basically adding people to the ecosystem. But because they've shown us a high degree of adaptability and flexibility, it's to me at least pretty clear that as time passes, they're going to be adapting their their strategy to bring those readers back. Now right. we're go- we're going to have plenty of episodes to dig pretty deep into the InkShares model as we as we go about it. But sure. one of the things I want to do, one of the things that we're going to do on this podcast is we're going to be highlighting some uh, some InkShares project. So once a week, once an episode, we're each going to bring a project to the table that we're going to discuss to sort of help promote and and bring some of these cool ideas and books to to light. And I thought it would be cool if we started with our own books because it's yeah. episode zero, so it's the least important episode, but <laughs> it's, it's, we're going to have to talk about our own books at some point, so we might as well do it now. So, yeah, and before, Ageless, before, man. Oh, oh. yeah. I, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, you know, it's my own novel, and if there's anybody who is going to be like, you know, over the moon, excited, and just thrilled, you know, you've got to be that way for yourself, because really... When you market, you're really kind of selling yourself more than you're selling a book, which, you know, I kind of learned that as I was uh, um, crowdfunding Ageless. 
Uh, but yeah, ageless. Sorry, I kind of got a little off to my own. No, it's there. it's it's an excellent point. It's worth it's worth remembering because it's almost a mistake where. Like one of my the biggest mistakes I do is I try I tend to promote myself more than my books. I'll I'll be on podcasts like these and talk about myself and talk about publishing and writing and never about my books, which is dumb during a crowdfunding campaign where people want to learn about the books. But on the other hand, you're completely right. If I want people, if we want people to care about not just this book but the book after and the one after, et cetera, et cetera, we need to right. build ourselves as a brand. But anyways. We're going to yeah, table, table this for that for now. I yeah. want to hear about Ageless. Okay, so uh, I don't want to give too much away, but the basic storyline is there is a, a, a girl who has a genetic defect, okay? And I, I kind of hesitate to use defect, but she has some kind of genetic mutation. Um, and the mutation causes her to age very slowly. So uh, maybe, well... Maybe a third slower than like you or I, or or you know it's kind of not explored a whole lot, which you would think called ageless. It might be explored a little more, but it's sort of not because that's just sort of a thing that she has, and she kind of knows. Well, doesn't know a lot about it, but she kind of knows what it is, and basically you're just exploring her life. Um, so from you know basically when she's a child till she is old quote unquote you know because she doesn't really get old necessarily so i know that sounds really strange as i'm saying it out loud i feel like i, I did a terrible job at at uh saying what it's about so get my book please inkshares.com just kidding uh <laughs> uh no but um i'm trying to like be spoiler free because i do want people to purchase the book you know and read it uh but ultimately um it's a unique story from my point of view, because of the way that I have it laid out, it's kind of non-linear, and I, that might be off-putting to some people because, well, some people that I've mentioned it to, they're like, oh, oh, it's that it's that kind of thing, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, thanks. You know, if you just throw your, your money into the thing, I'll get you a book, and then you don't ever have to read it, I guess. I want you to read it. I, I prefer if you read it. But um, Ageless, though, is... Uh, Currently in the editing process, I, I got my first, uh, I got my first developmental edits, which are story edits, if you don't know, about a couple of weeks ago at this point, and I'm actually late, and I feel terrible because I'm sitting here recording a podcast instead of working on my edits. Although you know, this is a uh, time is of the essence here with with our podcast, and I'm really excited about it. But back to the edits. Um, I'm doing my revisions. And, but, uh, wait, wait. Before we go into the edits, I have a few okay. questions about your story. And I, sure. I know you're saying like, oh, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want too many spoilers. But right. you're, you would say, you would say this is more of a science fiction book, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, I guess I should start with that. Lead, lead with that, right? That's a note. That right. Just, there, there's this, this conceit about this, this character, this main character. What's her name? Her name is Alessandra. Okay, so Alessandra has this this genetic mutation that makes her uh, age so much slowly, like reverse progeria, and yeah. she. I'm I'm curious because obviously this is set on a probably a much longer timeline than say my life that is aging normally and not taking care of myself, so I'm going to die at fifty. But <laughs> so, well, just, to be sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say to be quite honest, um, that's something that the ed. The uh, developmental editor, uh, her name is Lindsay, by the way. She said um, at the end of the book, she said, "You know, so I've I've read this whole book, and it turns out that 
um, pretty much you've went through the normal human lifespan here as far as a normal amount of time. Like it doesn't start in like 1200 and end in like 2300, you know what I'm saying? So I kind of, I kind of kept it to about a hundred years is what the story takes place in. Although a hundred years is a lot really, because when you, when you start thinking about uh, your story, for example, um, the life engineered, would you say that the main portion of the story takes place over a long extended span. Now yours might be a little different because it is science fiction too. And these are robot entities. So um, I'm not sure how you wrote yours because I haven't got my copy yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll, I'll get to more detail when we talk about my project. Sure. But yeah, the, the, the story itself, like the meat of the story happens in probably the equivalent of two weeks. So, yeah. but there, I mean, it's, it's kind of a slice of life. We're not, we're not, exploring the concept of someone with such a long life. So right. my, my question about Ageless is what periods do you explore as far as human history? Do you, is it like a period piece that brings us to contemporary time or how, how do you got it? Like what years are you touching? Okay. That's a great question actually. So we're, um, we're going from about the 1930s um, all the way up to about a hundred years from that. So about 2025 ish. So, 95 years then, I guess. Um, so I'm, I've got some near future elements, and I've got a lot of historical things that, you know, I did a lot of research on um, that come up throughout the book. Uh, for example, um, there's one, one scene where Alice actually happens to be watching TV, and she's watching what ends up being the second or third episode of like I Love Lucy in the 1950s, you know, so I had to, you know, do a lot of research into uh, what that episode was about, you know, what happened on this episode. I actually looked it up on YouTube and watched some of it, too. And then, like, I had to research on, you know, what kind of television sets were there then? You know, when did color TV come about? When did um, actual like cable as, you know, we, well, kind of knew it before it started evolving again. Now, um, how did all this come about? And, you know, that's just before I ever put any word, well, too many words down on the on the actual page. Like, And that's really what I enjoy about writing because I really am like, you know, just getting to learn about all this stuff is really awesome to me. Um, so I was like, I had an idea of like, well, how far do I want to go back in time? Or how far do I want to go into the future? And I was like, well, in Germany, in the World War II, okay, we know for a fact that eugenics was being attempted, you know, to superior race, et cetera, et cetera. So I was like, well, what if I make her part of that experiment and maybe um, she's a unique person? that does have some kind of different genetics and you know maybe they're trying to exploit that that's kind of how my thought process went when i was first starting out the story so that made it that time period um the perfect place to kind of begin if you want to think of it that way even though it's non-linear <laughs> no, that's cool that's 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 interesting and how far into the present, maybe even future, do you do you go with the character, or is that a spoiler? Um, well, the entire story goes up to the twenty, about the mid twenty twenties. Um, Alice, Alice, I call her Alice too in the book. So, Alessandra, Alice, um, she, uh, well, she's there. 
I can I can say that. I don't I don't want to give away a whole lot. I mean, she's definitely there. She is the main character of the book, and um, ultimately, the whole story is a science fiction story, but it's also like an on the run story. I, I kind of like to think of like maybe the Bourne series, you know, where he's kind of like on the run from the government, and that's what ends up happening to her because you know if you've got these special genes and you can possibly live forever who's going to want to utilize that and why you know everyone <laughs> that's what i'm saying like uh and in even in the book i reference uh, one of the characters i should say references you know if someone like castro in the 60s could have gotten a hold of this basically quote-unquote technology um we may have a major problem on our hands you know so that's kind of where i was thinking but uh good question though good question I'm, I'm going to stop trying to uh, have you spoil your own book. It, I, I, for one, am very interested. I'm curious to, to see the end product. You've mentioned that uh, that Lindsay has been uh, has been working you hard for the uh, for the edits. So, I'm oh yeah, well, I'm, assuming... I'm a first time author, you know. So I, I mean, I've never written more than, like I said, you know, 20 pages or 25 pages. And uh, being a first time author, I have a lot of rookie mistakes, but that's something that you really can't help. You, you know, you've got to start somewhere. Oh yeah, you you don't need to explain that to me. I'm in I'm in somewhat of the same boat. I'm the uh, the point I was bringing that up for is sort of to to highlight, and th this is part of the uh, we love Inkshare promo uh, aspect of the podcast. <laughs> is that one of the things that uh, impressed me is how professional Inkshare was. I'm one of my biggest worry with jumping onto Inkshares was that this was be going to be kind of a uh, a camouflaged uh, vanity press type thing where they don't necessarily care about the quality of your book, uh -huh. but their success. But they totally do. You know, they, yeah, and I mean the, the success of your book is the success of their company. They it's, yep. it's a product that they need to sell. So obviously, they, they, there's a limit to how much resources they can put into it. But the resources that they put into the quality of the book is is surprising and and very reassuring to me. I was very it happy is really Lindsay Lindsay has been amazing I mean she definitely like I, I knew going into the developmental edit I said okay I told my wife actually I said all right so this is what's gonna happen she is going to destroy it and then we're going to build something better and I was like and I really have to step back and try to remember that when it comes back and I was like I told my like I said I told my wife please try to remind me that that's what this is about because you know it's it's never any fun for someone to say hey look uh, by the way, she didn't put it this way. She was very kind, and she is very kind, and she's helping out a lot. But it's always difficult for someone to look at something you've worked so hard on because I'm not sure how long that you worked on The Life Engineered, but for me, I put three years into this book, like on and off writing, because obviously I do have a full-time career just like you, um, but three years is a long time. Uh, so anyway, um, I had to remember that when she said something like A, B, and C – is not right because of, you know, point of view shifting, you know, or whatever. Um, I had to remember that she has, like, my best interest in mind. She wants me to succeed. And that was, that was tough to do. It's hard to put your ego aside. And I'm not very, like, egotistical or anything, but it's hard. It's hard when you're a creator of anything. Like, um, I'm a musician as well, and I create a lot of music. And I've had plenty of times where people are like, hey, that is just not very good. And I'm always a defender, and I'm like, you know what? Maybe it's just not what you like. But 
there are certain rules and certain guidelines and certain aspects that probably are there because they are known to work, you know, and you, you probably understand that a little better than I do being the, the type of job that you have. So, yeah, I know. Definitely. Um, one of the things that I was lucky f- when I got into the, uh, the, 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 the publishing thing, when I got the edits and not just the edits from, uh, from Cleet Smith, which was my developmental editor from Girl Friday, is that I've I have a twenty year career of having what I create be torn apart, and usually it gets torn apart by clients that don't know any better. They ask mm-hmm. you like a lot of my clients will ask me to make changes that I know are wrong, that I know will not serve the client well, and I I have to explain to them why they're making a mistake by asking those changes. Explain to them that I'm not. Ref- I'm not refusing to do changes, but I'm advising against them. And it's not because I don't want to or because I'm lazy, especially when right. I'm dealing with clients that pay me when I do more changes. That's usually, there you go. but, and sometimes a lot of times actually they'll ask for the changes anyways, because their personal taste ranks higher than the, uh, the, 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 the success of whatever marketing campaign they're doing. So, having to deal with an actual professional that has the best interest of the product project in mind giving me feedback on what i created was surprisingly comfortable a lot of it was ego shattering in the sense that certain mistakes i was convinced i was not doing turns out i was i had them all over the place exactly and i was in the same boat i i am in the same boat i should say um they i don't know if they're I don't know if maybe it's just the way that I perceive the world around me, but as I'm writing, I'm kind of, well, I hesitate to use all over the place, the term, I mean, the phrase all over the place, because uh, the nature of being nonlinear is already, quote unquote, all over the place. So I guess maybe I was in too many characters' heads at once. That's kind of been my biggest thing, like structurally, I'm already sort of putting myself at a possible disadvantage by being nonlinear. And then on top of that, I was also jumping around from point of view a little bit too much, I think, I guess, um, which is what Lindsay pointed out. And um, I don't necessarily, because, you know, I've lived with this for, like I said, I wrote, it took me three years to write, and then I sat on it, not necessarily sat on it, but I didn't get it onto ink shares for almost another year, you know, so... Um, four years I've been looking at the same manuscript and reading it over and over and trying to polish it the best that I can. And then um, Lindsay, who's a professional, comes in and she's like, okay, these are things that are going to hurt you in the long run. And it was hard to let go of some of that. And she t- she, she put it really kindly. She said, you know, sometimes we have to kill our babies. And I was like, okay, now I totally understand, you know. Uh <laughs> But she was really, she's really cool. And uh, in fact, she just emailed me yesterday and said, hey, listen, I know that it's taken you a little bit longer because I am late here, but that was, there was a, uh, a death and I had to, whatever. But I'm a little bit behind where I'm supposed to be. And uh, she was like, if I can help you in any way, just give me a call and, you know, we'll uh, make it work. So they're very cool about that. You know, they're very flexible um, in terms of, these uh deadlines i mean they're not superficial or anything like that about the deadline i mean the deadlines aren't superficial but life happens and they understand that this is not your or or not yet our full-time careers 
Right. You know? One of the things I found was interesting about the, the atmosphere uh, of working with Ink Shares and with Girl Friday is that where I was worried I was going to be treated like a client, which I really did not want to, I found that instead, I don't know if the experience is the same for you, I, fa- I found I was being treated like a, a valued coworker. Yeah, and oh yeah, that, definitely. that was surprising but very welcome situation. Yeah. Uh, and you know exactly that's exactly the way I feel too. Um Ink Shares and Good and Girl Friday uh are very like relaxed about everything they that they need from us. I mean, that doesn't mean they're not professional. They're absolutely professional, but they, you know, are really like I don't know, they're friendly. I mean, I can't think of a uh of a really better way to describe it. They're just, the people are nice, you know, and they, they want you to succeed and they understand that, you know, uh, maybe I'm, I'm not familiar with everything that needs to happen to succeed, you know? So they're really like caring is another good way to put it, you know? Well, that's, that's the thing. Like they, they realize that their success is our success and our success is their success. Right. And that quality is job one. But to get that quality, sometimes you need to invest a bit more time, especially with people that are new to the industry. And since right now that is what they're attracting because of their, their particular business model, uh-huh. the, uh, the, 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 the fact that these are new people, like they're, they're very well adapted and I've talked to to Matt Kay, the uh, their marketing VP, about how they do go about some of the production, how they select their teams, and it's nothing. Nothing is really left to chance. Like the the, the people that they work with at Girl Friday allows them to. It's it's a nice wide variety of different editors and professionals that they can build a team that's very much customized to each project. The uh, my editor Cleet Smith is a science fiction fan like he he related to what i wrote and understood and as far as i can tell liked the book so it was a lot easier to have him give give edits that were relevant and interesting and again that made it that that really helped the message of the book instead of just going through the numbers and like correcting things mechanically and that that was one of the things that was that was very uh, that was important to me, and that actually came through like with flying colors. So, that's awesome. Um, you know, that's actually a good segue. Tell us, tell um, the listeners and myself even a little bit about the life engineered, which is coming, which is coming out when when is it going to actually be the release date? Seems to be tentative. It's uh, it's I don't I don't even think it's tentative anymore. I think it's pretty much set in stone as much as it's going to be for March first of two thousand sixteen, and oh, I'm. Awesome. I'm kind of losing my mind at the idea that now I need to organize some kind of launch party, at least here. So, I'm, yeah. I, anyways, I'll get to that when I get to that. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's still some work to be done. Um, yeah, my, my project did, is The Life Engineered. I was lucky enough to, uh, to, to win the, uh, the publication from the Sword and Laser contest. I also got selected for the Sword and Laser collection, which came as a... Which is amazing, uh, by the way. Good job. That was a mind-blowing surprise. I've, I've been listening to uh, Tom, Tom and Veronica on, uh, on Sword and Laser for about three years now. So I think it's three years. might be a little less. I don't know. Anyways, and to, to, to have that felt like a huge honor. The uh, the life engineer is actually it's 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 it, I can't say that much like you like you say you you spent like this is a four years in the works book I wrote the life engineered coming up on two years now ago okay and it was originally the first draft was a very short book and it was I think the fifth book I wrote 
And but it was the first one I had. Like I've I've always submitted my books to to friends and better readers, and like I get volunteers from my my my, uh, my acquaintances on Facebook or Twitter, and I'll say, hey, I have this book, and he anyone suicidal enough to read through it, and I'll I'll usually <laughs> get a, a few people. Sometimes it's most of them most of the time it's the same people, and. The, the the previous book that I had written, a lot of people were were excited about. It. It says, yeah, you should send that to a publisher. That's that seems cool. But when I submitted the Life Engineered to to my better readers, it came back pretty unanimously as in, oh, this is the book that needs to be published. This is this is non optional. You this is the book that you need to do. This this is finally a book that is not just enjoyable but fairly incredible on its own. Which I that's a good feeling, right? It's it's a good feeling, but it's intimidating. <laughs> uh, well, I, yeah, I, I have a it. hard time thinking of my own work that way, uh, especially since, uh, and you'll understand that as a writer, you're so close to the work that you see all the flaws all yes. the time. So it's sometimes difficult to believe that people will like your work so much. At least I have that. Maybe that's just my oh, anxieties no, floating to the surface. That's not just you. I mean, I'm pretty sure that... Um, Writers out there listening could probably easily relate to that because I, I definitely can. I, I think definitely. it's a, most creators that most creators it's it's what they call like the artist flaw where you 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 will always see imperfections in your work which will force you to work those imperfections out and get better at your craft and just this cycle that seems so wonderful from the exterior but is just continuous torture from from within. So Life Engineered is actually, it's it, one of the things that surprised me that people liked it so much is that it's a bizarre con- conceit to, to sell. It's very hard to come up with a, an elevator pitch for it, so I'm not even going to try. I'll, let, me, let me just explain the, uh, the basics of the storyline. The, okay. the story is set in the, in basically, I think it's, the, the, I can't remember the actual year because i didn't take that much care in selecting it but it's, it's the year 35 something it's it's way in the future and as far as the galaxy is concerned there are no living human beings anymore the uh it's it's clear to the denizens of the galaxy which are all artificial creatures called uh called uh, chapex uh after the uh the, the the writer who coined the term robot and they're all essentially robots cool. or androids that were that are in essence the descendants of human beings and humans have gone into hibernation hiding because of some unknown threat and the the way these 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 creatures are are conceived is that their personalities are built into this this sort of matrix like artificial reality where they go through life over and over again until in in a very sort of Buddhist analogy until they reach a, a, a level of self peace of inner peace that their their personality not the personality of each of their lives but their core personality is is devoid of self doubt not that they're necessarily perfect not that they're necessarily um, as I say they're, they're not all have achieved like nirvana although it is referred to in the book but they're at a point where they're not necessarily a they, they understand what their their passions are. They understand who they are as a, you know a very core individual. And at that point, once the uh, the overseeing entity notices that some of these personalities are distilled to the point of being ready, they're plucked from this this artificial nursery 
and given a robot body that is perfectly suited to whatever they want to do, whatever their quote-unquote destiny is in the universe. Now, my the main character is basically taken out of the nursery. There's a, a small chapter that explains the last few moments of her life. Sorry, that's, that is a bit of a spoiler, but it's a spoiler for the first chapter. Everyone, it'll be okay. <laughs> and <laughs> she's basically plucked from the, from from this artificial nursery and put into a robot body and almost immediately the the quote unquote crap hits the fan where a series of cataclysmic events makes that makes it so that her creator is destroyed and this is something that's rather unheard of in the society first of all these robots we're talking like like uh, 15 um, um what 15,000 years in the future Ha, they're they're nigh indestructible. They're built of materials that we can't even imagine right now, and it's quickly determined that her creator was was murdered. This this was intentional, and it's creates this chain of events where, as this main character, who's called Dajir, is exploring this new world that she's introduced to, is trying to figure out who killed her quote unquote mother or or her creator. And at the same time, trying to stop these events from culminating and sliding in a way that is going to to cause a civil war amongst these machines. Interesting. And so, um, I'm sorry. Go, go no, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, so uh, there's some kind of unrest um, because the, uh, for lack of a better term, the uh, androids um, are kind of like creating factions, like so- choosing sides. Or how is it? How is it dividing up? Like how, the civil war? Well, how does that? Yeah, become without it? saying too much, is that it's exactly that the, uh, the 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 events kind of cause a bit of of panic and paranoia. Some of the some of these robots mm-hmm. that are supposed it's it's I don't because I don't a bit like you. I don't want to spoil too much of the storyline and what happens. Especially it gets since difficult, right? It gets it, difficult. <laughs> exactly. Oh, it's so hard, especially when you have a conceit like the whole. I've had to come to terms with the idea of basically saying it. These creatures are created in an artificial environment that replicates human life, and that's where their personalities come from. And for the longest time when promoting the book, I didn't want to tell that because I was completely in love with the the, the switch at the end of the first chapter between one yeah. world and another. And now I realize people, one chapter in, they're going to see that twist. And it doesn't, the way it happens, doesn't it doesn't matter if they see it coming. It doesn't make it any less interesting. Or if it does, it's not that big of a deal. And if it helps me promote the book to be more forward about it then sure but i will not tell you all the details about how it slips into a civil war just let it be known that the uh it, it's it's kind of your classic uh utopia cracks into utopia type of situation yeah, yeah. where their perfect civilization because of one flaw starts to fracture and this main character and the friends that she makes the acquaintances that she makes along the way struggle to keep things together and one of the interesting conceits is that, again, the technology available to the, these characters are, are mind-boggling. These, these are creatures that, again, they're nigh indestructible. They have access to, to, to technologies that, although for them, is usually used to, to build and explore, 
can be turned into deadly weapons that could destroy stars and, as I like to describe it, just burn the, burn the galaxy to the ground. Hmm. That's pretty. That's pretty amazing. Uh, I, I, you just somehow you just up my level of excitement. I'm actually really excited, and I can't wait till March first. I'm super eager for people to read it, and and even for people to to tear it apart. It's I I'm like I said, it's it's a book that I didn't think would get immense traction because the conceit is so convoluted to explain it's so hard to come up with an elevator pitch and maybe it's just it's just me that's not good at doing this maybe someone more skilled could you know <laughs> come up with a good synopsis but uh like a good example i got the uh the, the the cover copies with the synopsis at the back of the book and it's a wall of text it's a bit intimidating i'm i'm almost worried that people picking up the book in a bookstore will not necessarily want to read the whole thing. Really? Yeah, it's... How many paragraphs, if you could, you know, make a guess, venture a guess, how many paragraphs on the back cover copy? I think it's about three paragraphs. Oh, that's not bad. Mine is probably about the same. Yeah, the middle one is huge. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, my middle one is not huge. But, I mean, it's not, like, tiny either. I mean, they're, they're decent paragraphs. In fact, now that I think about it, it's four. Mine's four, actually. But the last one is more like a uh, wrapping it up kind of thing. You know what I mean? It's just a sentence right. or two. So I'm, I'm trying to dig back to see if I can find it to, uh, to have a look, but I, I can't find it right now. It's not important. The The important thing is that it just fills up the entire back cover, uh, which which makes it, like I said, it makes it intimidating, but it's everything's kind of necessary to explain enough of the plot that people will know what they're getting into. One thing I'm lucky though is uh, the the cover I have the cover illustration was done with my by my good friend Eric Belil, who who did an amazing job. I'm so excited about the cover. So I'm I'm it it is it is amazing. I mean, if you have not if you're listening to this and you have not looked at the cover, or if you have not pre-ordered um, the Life Engineered, you need to do that. But definitely at least check out this cover. It is amazing. Like I guarantee you that it will be. A cover that's unique enough that people will stop and at least pick the book up. I mean, that's what you really want to go for anyway, I think, is something that will just have someone, um, a reader, like let's use Barnes & Noble, for example, or or any bookstore that you like. When you go in there, you're just so, like, um, bombarded with information, with books, you know, so... You've got to have something that I think will catch a reader's eye. And and I think that your cover is 100% successful for, for me and my personal opinion. I mean, that's unfortunately, that's what it comes down to. You know, everybody has different tastes. But for me, I mean, it's awesome. When I saw it, when well, you sent out I, the update, it was I was like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah, er- sorry, Eric, Eric did an amazing job. He's, a, he's, a, he's an amazing artist. He worked with Wizard of the Coast, uh, Paizo Publishing. I think he's working with Ed Greenwood. He's he's a consummate. He's been doing this for about twenty years now. He, I used to go to school with him. But what's more exciting is that Eric was one of my better readers. And when he came back with notes, it, these were not the notes of a better readers. These were the notes of a fan. This this is someone that not only read and liked the book, but gets what I'm doing with it and understands and loves the characters in a way that's probably different from me, but just as passionate. So when I asked him to do the cover, I knew that it would be in the hands of someone that understood exactly what I was looking for, and he he absolutely nailed it. That is awesome. Yeah, it's been it's been a great experience for that. 
So I'm, I'm going to stop talking about the life engineered, uh, and we're going to slip into a, a very quick, because we've been going long, a quick version uh, of our third and final segment that we're going to do for this podcast, which is, and this is probably going to be the longest segment normally, is the one where we, we talk a bit about crowd, crowdfunding and, and publishing and writing. And every, every week, every episode, we're going to pick a subject and we're going to try to tear it apart a bit. And for this, this episode zero, I wanted to ask Paul, what brought you to crowdfunding? Uh, well, actually, before I even talk about uh, crowdfunding for Ageless, let me back up to my my actual first crowdfunding experience. Yes, I want to know more about that. Yeah, it was with uh, Kickstarter, and um, I actually I actually like to make produce like short films, and um, I was uh, I've written a script for a full feature length film as well, and I was trying to get some crowdfunding behind this full fe- feature length film. And it wasn't really all that much. I think it was even less than a thousand dollars. Mostly, it was so I could uh, have my friend, who was, who is eventually someday going to be in it with me, um, uh, so I could get him here to Myrtle Beach. That's where I am, by the way, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Uh, he actually lives in Las Vegas, so I was trying to get him out here. So we wanted to raise some money for that um, to help cover the cost of that and maybe some food and stuff, you know. Uh, but it failed pretty miserably, to be honest with you. Like, we got maybe a tenth of our goal, and I felt like I was just badgering people all the time. And it, it kind of, you, you kind of find out what kind of human being that you are when you're trying to do these crowdfunding things, because ultimately, you know, you're like I said earlier, you're really trying to sell yourself um, and your product. But I mean, the people have to buy into you that you're going to give them a good product, I guess. And it was a very difficult thing to do. And that was my only experience until um, the Inkshares, specifically Sword and Laser contest on Inkshares. Uh, at that point, I didn't I didn't honestly know anything about it. I had uh, one of my friends actually read Ageless as like a beta reader, to, a beta reader, reader excuse me, as well. And uh, he brought it to me because he actually listens regularly to Sword and Laser podcast. And um, being a teacher, if you don't know anything about being a teacher, your time is very, very, very limited during the school year. So I don't get a chance to, to do as much listening to podcasts or um, actually even reading a whole lot during the school year. Um, I love to read. I love to create content. I love to listen to content and watch content. But be in my profession, it's, it's difficult to find that kind of time. Um, in fact, that's kind of how I, I got behind on my revisions for Ageless, but that's neither here nor there. But um, ultimately, when I he brought it up to me, hey, this uh, website, inkshares.com, is doing um, this uh, contest for a book for Sword and Laser. And I was like, really? And he was like, yeah, maybe you should enter yours because, you know, it's pretty good. And I was like, okay, yeah, I think that I might do that. So I looked into it, and I um, actually... I came a little bit late to the contest, maybe a couple of weeks, two weeks maybe, late to the contest, and um, that's where I actually first saw The Life Engineered and Asteroid Made of Dragons and um, some of the other ones like, uh, I can't remember the name of it, Nick and Nora, Multiverse, that one. Yes. And um, some of the other ones that were actually the, close. Uh, unattractive Vampires, another one. Yeah. 
and lost. Mm-hmm. Oh, Joe, Joe's lost yeah. generation. Oh yeah, Joe. Yeah, lost generation definitely. And um, those were the top five, six, top six, top six. My, in the end. Mine and yours, and then them. Yeah. So um, anyway, that's kind of how I, I I got turned on to it. And uh, like we said at this point, an hour ago, almost uh, kind of lucked out. You know, kind of lucked out. Yeah, for for me, the uh, I came into it very much because I've been listening to Sword and Laser for a while. But what's what's strange is I've always I'm always behind on my podcasts. I always bank them. Like I'll bank two or three episodes and listen to them later when I when I'm on the road or whenever I have more time. So I'm I'm never very current. But being being a listener of Sword and Laser and a lot of the podcasts that say Tom Merritt and Veronica Belmont are a part of uh, on, on different networks. I'm also part of a Facebook community where one of the members said, hey, support me on this Inkshare thing because I'm participating in the Sword and Laser contest. And just, obviously the word Sword and Laser caught my eye. And that's that's when I went to see it. And I had this book that I was already had already self-published. I made sure that self-publishing the book didn't make me un, uh, uneligible for the book for the contest. Otherwise, yeah. I would have just picked a different book. It's just that this one was the the one that was kind of resonating with me at this time. And my book was already getting fairly good reviews on Amazon. Like whenever I gave it for free, a lot of people would grab it. So that was also a good sign. Yeah, I was going to say that's not never too bad, really. No, no. I, I, I can proudly say that 2,000 people got my book for free. Wow, so, fantastic. 2,000. Well, yeah, I, I, I wished it was more pre-orders at this point. Yeah, I know, but, right? <laughs> but before, before all that, before this whole contest thing with, with, with Inkshares and Sword and Laser, I had not considered crowdfunding very seriously. I had looked into it very quickly, had looked at, uh, at PubSlush, and I had looked at uh, Kickstarter and Indiegogo. But mm-hmm. for almost every one of these platforms, it was all about just accumulating money, getting a check, and then turning around and paying other people to do stuff. And right. I, I'm, I'm lucky enough that I knew a few people that could help me with certain things. As a graphic designer who knows people who do illustration, I figured that as long as I was self-publishing, which is what I would end up doing with these other uh, crowdfunding platforms, the quality I could output was on par with other self-published work I had seen. I mean, my, my cover was okay. It was a painting I did, and it was par for the course like it was on on average that was yours the original yeah the original one was was mine oh and and for those of you that have never seen it it still was very very respectable i I liked it honestly i liked it it's it's good for self-published stuff which is where i was aiming so i i have like one of my friends was helping me with the uh, the developmental edits because that's what she did professionally, which is one of the advantages I had when dealing with Cleet from Girl Friday is that he was dealing with something that are already had gone through developmental edits. So he his his job was probably a bit simpler that way. So I, wow, you are very lucky. I well the great cover artist. You got a developmental editor friend. That is amazing. I've I've been very lucky. Well, and I'm I'm also these these are friendships I cultivated. These are people who uh, who I owe a lot to and will do favors in return gladly because they've been good friends to me by helping me that way. And 
but that, that's the thing. Like, I already had certain resources that would have been cheaper than going through normal channels. I didn't feel like I needed to crowdfund because I, I mean, I, I can put some money aside and hire people, the people I need. Like, for say, for line editing is a good example, or if I wanted a professional, uh, if I wanted a development, developmental editor that I'm actually paying, so that I mean, my friend Megan who did the dev edits did a fantastic job, but she wasn't salaried. So I, I'm not expecting that she like put the effort that a salaried full-time employee that does it would put. And I, I don't expect Makes that sense. or demand that of her. So, but these are all things I could put money aside to do myself without having to go through the unmitigated hell of crowdfunding, especially on a platform like, like a Kickstarter. But when I saw the model for Inkshares, and after one of the things I almost immediately did was email uh, email their their help desk and have a chat with uh, Jeremy Thomas, their CEO, to get a feel for the company. And after talking with him and, and hearing what their goals are were, what they were looking for as writers, and what their plans and expectations were, I I was sold because as much as much as Inkshares is crowdfunding, it's not crowdfunding for self-publishing it's the, the way that he described it to me was de- democratizing the, uh, the, the 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 selection process democratizing publishing and that is kind of what i was more comfortable looking for now that being said i was convinced that it would be a complete failure because <laughs> I, I I look I look at people that are on Twitter and have like a, a million followers or like thousands of followers and can snap their fingers and get like 500 pre-orders almost instantly. And I'm not that guy. I'm I'm terrib- I am not either. I'm ter- I, in fact, I got my 100th follower today on Twitter. Oh wow! So I was pretty proud of that. I, I pat patted myself on the back. I, I was I like, "Yeah, no, good job." See, this is just how bad I am at this. I have no idea who. Well, I only know because they actually send you a message when you get your hundredth. <laughs> so I got a message. I was like, "Oh, okay." Oh cool. wow! Um, <laughs> I would not have guessed, but I'm at two two hundred and something. Wow. All right. Well, yay me! But that, that's the thing. Like, I, I there, there's some something about the publishing industry that's a bit. I say it's it's annoying, but at the same time, it's it's the the bus I'm riding and that you're riding that we're all yeah. you know on at the same time, is that publishing isn't about the quality of your book quite much anymore. It's about can your book sell. This is this is why if you have a million Twitter followers or you have a blog that gets thirty five thousand hits every day, you're gonna get a book contract. Almost inevitably, it doesn't matter if you want to be a writer; they'll find a ghostwriter for you, and they'll they'll give you a book contract because you're a brand, and you're a brand that's marketable, and someone wants to sell a book with your brand on it. Now, that being said, not much of a brand on my side to to begin with, so I I was sure that this whole thing would would be a failure. What was surprising to me is that when I did reach out to uh, when I did reach out to my friends and family and to to f- I hate to say it, fans of the book, uh, I, I got a really positive response. And now I want to publish everything on Inkshares. Yeah, yeah, me too. Actually, me too. And um, you're actually, uh, I, I mean, I guess we can kind of start wrapping it up. But you're actually. 
what am I trying to say here? You have a second book, is what I'm trying to say. You have a second book on Inkshares currently. Correct. Absolutely. I have a second book. It's it's a book that was kind of shooting myself in the foot by bringing it up. It, this is the, the book that was prior to Life Engineered getting the, the modicum of success it did. It's the, the book that a lot of people were excited about, but not quite as excited as, as uh, Life Engineered. Not because it's not as good a book. It's a, it's a much longer book. It's almost twice the run runtime. And it's... Where Life Engineered is a very optimistic, very bright-eyed look at the future, Mm -hmm. this one's a fantasy horror book set in a suburban setting. So it's it's a lot darker, and a lot of the the better readers I have are not necessarily that much into that style. So while they loved it, I have a few people that really enjoyed it. lost their minds over the characters and some of the some of the, the twists and plot they it, it doesn't have that kind of uh, heartwarming uh simplicity and, and and well not simplicity heartwarming ah what's the word there there's something about life engineered that makes you kind of want that future meanwhile being a a horror book uh, god in the shed Although it's it's got what I like to call terrible beauty and beautiful terror, it's still a horror book. So it's it's a lot bleaker, a lot more dramatic, and a lot heavier reading. Well, I'll be honest with you, um, and this might be a little spoilerish, but Ageless is not necessarily um, going to be what people think it is, and, and I and I mean by it's going to be pretty dramatic. Like as I'm going through and writing revisions, I'm like man, this is a tough book. You know, I'm like really like emotionally, I'm not sure how people are going to react because it is a, it is not like sunshine and, you know, popsicles, you know, it's, 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 it's pretty, pretty demanding on, on the reader emotionally, I think. But, you know, that's not something I really noticed when I was writing it, but the you know every time we have to reread it and and that I re- have reread it on my own before I you know got into publishing it um every single time I'm like man I'm not sure that this is uh that this is um necessarily what most people want out of a reading experience and that's not to say that they don't it's just I don't want to mislead anyone and that's kind of where we were with we were working on our back cover copy we kind of I was kind I kept my my um, suggestions to them was, listen, I don't want to mislead anyone. I want them to understand what they're getting into. What you have here is okay. It's not bad. It makes sense. Except for I feel like that you're leaving out some of the core importantness. Well, to, to, to bring it back to crowdfunding, one of the things that makes that kind of model so interesting and why I'm looking forward, like I've... I, I can't, unfortunately, I'm, I'm currently, as of this recording, kind of under NDA for some other projects. And I can say that not everything I'll be doing in the next five years is going to be crowdfunded. But one of the things that makes me want to go back to Inkshares for the sequel to Life Engineered, for A, a God in the, Shed, in the Shed, my my horror book, and for most of the projects I'm going to want to do is this the relationship that you build with your audience, these are oh, yeah, absolutely. These, these are people that you've asked for help that you can there's there's mechanics on on, on the inkshare site to submit samples and synopsises and it's a way of be, building that relationship and getting that feedback and 
what I look forward to for Ageless is that you will get that feedback from your pre-orders, from the, 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 the early audience that yeah. is going to help you sort of guide your hand towards how you're going to market it once it gets to, uh, to shelves. And that's, that's going to be fairly exciting. I know. I'm pretty excited about that as well. So um, back to God and Shed for just a second. Um, I, me personally, I love it. I'm like, this is awesome. That's why um, a, a while back I was reading, you know, a bunch of, of the things um, on Inkshares, a bunch of the uh, synopsis and the, you know, first chapters or, or whatever. Um I picked a few that I was like, you know what, I really think these are cool and I like these. And, and I picked that one because I was like, yes, to me, this has a lot of potential, definitely a lot of potential to be really something that's right in my wheel, right in my wheelhouse, you know. And I was like, I've got to record this one. And I, I did it more for me than even for you. I mean, I, I of course, I asked you, hey, would you like this and you were like no and i loved it oh thanks one of the things is that you you did these recordings of of a few of uh those prologues or samples or first chapters and they all came out fantastic and now knowing that you're you're a music teacher it can the puzzle pieces come together as to why (laughs) you're a you you have this understanding of of sound and and sort of the, the the cadence necessary to to fit the mood because you you read the first uh, the prologue which is kind of sentimental a bit horrific towards the end uh story uh, about some kids in a forest that i wrote and you nailed the atmosphere absolutely perfectly and i was very impressed well, by that i appreciate it um and you know i i selected that one because i was like this is really interesting to me like it really like resonated with me somewhere because when i was sitting I was just sitting um, on my couch and I was like, I'm going to look through a few of these because, you know, I had some time at that point <laughs> and I'm like, I like to create this kind of stuff. And so I was like, well, there's all of this information on Inkshares and I'm like, I could just pick any one of these and I'm sure most people would be like, yeah, cool. That would be neat to help. It's just something to add to their campaign, you know? Exactly. And it's super so, appreciated by most of us, I think, if not, I, I'm, I'm going to say all of us really appreciate it. Well, I really enjoyed it, you know, for everyone. I mean, John, John Robin and Jameson Stone. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I enjoyed doing them for everyone that I did did one for. And they all came out super fantastic. You, Thanks. You, you should look at maybe building a, a voice acting profile on something like ACX. That would be a it's a good I thought way. about that. You, you should look into it. Someone that understands sound quality and how to record and how to do readings like that. It's it's a fairly rare talent. And not everybody has like the, the the equipment or the the know-how to to understand what's required. So if you have it, having a profile, I mean, you could you could get a couple of gigs as a to to, to do some audiobooks, and that would be that would, that would that's definitely showcase that talent. Now before Thanks. before we end this, I I, I want to make a confession about uh, God in the Shed. Okay. Now the prologue you read is something that I added in my very very final draft, so that remains unchanged. But something I realized a couple of days past is that everything I've put up on the campaign page is from an earlier draft and is incorrect. Oh no, that's not. And good. I have to. I'm, I've, I'm. I'm going to probably over the next few days. By the time this gets listened to by anyone. It'll already be changed, but a lot of people have put notes that are going to disappear from the chapters and 
because I'm going to be replacing it by the current draft, and it's it's such an embarrassment. It is it is literally the worst nightmare where you know it's already so difficult taking something you've written and putting it in public and saying, "Hey, comment on this." Very difficult. But yeah. now I've realized that I've taken not the best version of what I should have presented and saying, "Hey, comment on that," and it's it, it's bone chilling. Uh, how how drastic are the changes? It depends where, but and I'm trying to remember, but I think some of them are pretty drastic. Some of them are post developmental edits. So, yeah, oh, your friend, are your friend again? Yeah, nice. Well, she, she, she's awesome. only done two books for me, like that, and I I, I will not be asking her to do uh, to do any more because these these are take they take time that she needs for more important things. Right, right. All right, so. so- Yes, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I, I was, was going to say, let's say, wrap it up. That's what exactly what I was going to say. Fantastic. So, so Paul, if uh, okay, obviously on Inkshare, people can go to inkshares.com and search for Ageless, and they can pre-order your book. But is there anything else that you want to, to maybe plug or promote? Well, the other book that I have right now up is called The Motor City Chronicles Transgressions. Uh, book one, Transgressions, because it's actually going to be a bunch of uh, novellas, actually. I think six is what we're going for. So around 100 pages each. And I was just, uh, you know, I thought, hey, it would be pretty cool if we got it published through Inkshares because, you know, they're doing age- Ageless. And I was like, you know, that that would be pretty neat. Um, so anyway, that's on uh, Inkshares. Uh, you can also check out paulinmansc.com, SC for South Carolina, which is where Myrtle Beach is. Um, that is a website that I recently just finished and uh, not many people have actually been there yet, so go check it out. It's all, it's everything that I do, not just writing, but the writing is there too. It's included. I've checked um, it out. Looks good. Thanks. Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, what about you, JF? What else? What do you got for us? Anything else? Well, the, the main things that I'm working on is really the writing thing because I'm so in love with that that form of narrative storytelling. And yeah. you, I've got my two books that are currently on Inkshare. Life Engineer is funded and it's going to be published on March 1st. And I'm currently funding A God in the Shed. It's 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 going at a, a steady pace, but I'm going to ask for an extension because obviously once the first book goes out, it's going to probably drive some momentum onto the second one. Yeah. And that can be found on Inkshares, but the easiest way to go about it is if you go to jfdubo.com that's jfdubeau.com slash books you'll uh, you'll find my uh, my selection of uh, basically the blurbs and the uh, the the, uh, the links to both of these uh, these projects awesome and um i didn't say this i don't think but ageless is late spring uh, there's a tentative date, but I think I'm hesitant since I'm already late on stuff. So uh, late late spring, um, be looking for that 2016. So yeah, ageless. Yeah, whatever. And just go pre. Yeah. People just go pre-order it, and if you don't remember when it comes out, you'll get it. You'll probably get an email, and if you don't read your emails, one day you'll come home and you'll have a, a gift in your mailbox, and you'll be super happy about it. So just go pre-order it. And yes, pick up the life engineered and check out inkshares.com for crowdfunded publishing and with that we are going to bid you good day and we will uh, you can listen to us again on episode one where we'll be talking about other people's books which should be very exciting (laughs) yes it should be it should be and um you know any suggestions you know we will take them um we may not use them (laughs) but we will definitely read them or you know listen to them and with that have a good week (laughs) 